Hello and welcome. I'm Uncle Sean and I'm so glad you could join us here today for our reading of Nicholas the Bringer by Sean Kennelly. Today we'll be reading part one of chapter six, The Crimson Cap of Courage. Let's begin. After what seemed like a very long ride, Nicholas reached an unfamiliar glade where the reindeer were grazing and quickly dismounted. Almost on cue, Ben hopped down from his lookout in the trees above, swinging furiously with his staff. Nicholas darted out of his path and grabbed a dead tree branch to block his advance. "'What did you do with them?' Ben shouted as he brought the staff down. Nicholas parried the blows as he answered. "'What did I do?' Nicholas said as he ducked another swing. "'Do not play me for a fool,' Ben said as he spun the staff around for another hit. "'They disappeared right after you left here. Only their deer returned.' I had nothing to do with it, Nicholas said, getting a jab in with the tree branch. But they will be sitting in the belly of a lion by this time tomorrow unless we act quickly. The unexpected sound of Dunder's loud boom knocked both men to the ground. A woman's startled cry and a hoarse whinny broke the tension. They both turned toward the sound. Rachel stumbled out of the bushes with her horse, Lily, as Dunder and the other deer formed a protective circle around the entrance to the warren. Rachel ran behind Lily for cover. Lily whinnied with concern. A woman, Ben said, jumping up. What is that thing? Rachel said, shell-shocked from Dunder's boom. That is Dunder, and I am glad to see I'm not the only one he loves to torture, Nicholas said. What are you doing here? I had to convince you to come back. We need you. It looked to me like Jude was meeting all your needs. My needs, Rachel asked indignantly, walking out from behind Lily. He has never met my needs. Is that what this is about? You think, obviously I thought wrong, Nicholas said back, cuddling. Very wrong. Who is that man, Rachel asked, pointing to Ben. What did she say? Ben said with a confused look on his face. Are you deaf, Nicholas said. She wishes to know who you are. Ben glared at Nicholas indignantly, then turned to Rachel. I am Benjamin, an Israelite from the great northern tribe of Ephraim through the loans of Alpharim. And ye? Rachel looked confused at Ben's statement. Nicholas and Ben both looked at her, waiting for her to respond. Finally, she spoke. Um, forgive me, but I barely understood anything he just said. What did she say? Ben said. Can you not? Nicholas was irritated. He could see both Rachel and Ben were confused and growing more frustrated. He realized for the first time that the Alpharim must speak another tongue, and it was only because of the endowment from the child at Bethlehem that he could understand them at all. He could never explain how the gift was given. All the child did was touch his lips and ears. One moment he was the worst language student in the Magi Order, and the next he understood and spoke every language. It was frightening. Though he was reluctant to admit it to Melchior, his father, he knew something unexplainable had happened, and until now he had entirely forgotten about it. But if it would help someone, he would use this new ability and bring honor to his father's memory. Let me translate, Nicholas said. This is Benjamin, and he was explaining that he is from the tribe of Ephraim, Ephraim, Ben said. Ephraim, Nicholas said, through the loins of Elf... Alpharim, Ben said, growing impatient. He is from the tribe of Ephraim, Rachel said with excitement. It is one of the lost tribes. I am from the tribe of Judah. And you are not lost, Nicholas said, growing confused. No, Rachel said. 
My tribe lived in the south, but ten of our tribes lived in the north and were carried away by the Assyrians. No one ever heard from them again. This is incredible. What is she saying, Ben said. She says she's from the tribe of Judah, and you are from some lost tribe, and no one knew what happened to you. We were never lost, Ben said resentfully. We left, and how would she know? Judah always thought they were better than us anyway. What was that, Rachel said? Uh, he said they were not lost, Nicholas said. I am understanding some of his words, Rachel said. He is using an old dialect that no one speaks anymore, but it is definitely Hebrew. I only hope my father taught me correctly. Rachel took a deep breath and spoke directly to Ben in ancient Hebrew. Judah thinks itself no better than the blessed tribe of Ephraim. I am Rachel, and it is an honor to be in the presence of my northern brother. Ben looked incredulously at Nicholas. How does she know our tongue? Have you taught her this? Me, Ben, Nicholas said. I have no idea how I speak it. No matter, Ben said, waving off his concern with his hands. We must tell the others what you know of Amos and Enos at once, and bring her with you. Ben hurried toward the warren, parting the protective circle of the deer with Nicholas and Rachel close behind. Others, Rachel said. Are they the ones who made the playthings? They are, Nicholas said. But he has the corner on attitude. I heard that, Ben said as he descended the steps into the warren. Rachel smiled at the little man's spunk. The moment they entered the warren, a call went out to the remaining men to gather in the great hall. Daniel came in looking a bit frazzled with singed eyebrows, wearing an apron. Where have you... Daniel started, but was startled at the sight of Rachel and almost fell backwards. A, 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 a woman! Have they never seen a woman before, Rachel said? Surely they have mothers. One would hope, Nicholas said with a chuckle. Nicholas, Jeremiah said, rushing into the room. When Amos and Enos went missing, we feared the worst. I am so relieved to see you. Oh, and who is this enchanting young maiden you have brought with you? This is Rachel. Her father is the man who gives the toys to the children. I am honored to meet a member of the tribe of Ephraim, Rachel said in ancient Hebrew, as she bowed her head in respect. She speaks our tongue. How wondrous. Welcome, welcome, Jeremiah said as he took Rachel's hand and held it with both of his in a gentle greeting, his eyes sparkling with delight. You must know I had no idea that Amos and Enos followed me to the village, Nicholas interjected, worried they might blame him for their brother's misfortune. They followed you? A light went off in Jeremiah's mind. Of course, they followed you. It all makes sense now. It does? Caleb, bring the director at once. Caleb lit up and darted from the room in a hurry. What does the director have to do with this? A new inscription appeared this morning after you left with the playthings. I believe you may hold the key to unlocking the message it bears. And how will this help Amos and Enos? You shall see, you shall see, Jeremiah assured. Caleb, make haste! I am here, brother, Caleb replied as he entered the room, carrying the director by the handle and holding it up for all to see. And the director is most restless. What is that? Rachel said, staring at the director. The lights within the orb sparkled and danced inside as Caleb placed the director on a table before Nicholas. This, Caleb explained, is the sphere of direction. It has directed the course of our travels from the northern kingdom, and it will lead us home again. Caleb grinned at Nicholas with anticipation. Uh, we hope. Jeremiah took the director and showed Nicholas his discovery. If you would read the inscription, brother... Nicholas looked closer at the director, 
where several sentences were etched in the golden brass base and read them aloud. Uh, in the footsteps of the seventh, two brothers did go. To bring liberation, set fire with snow. All brothers must aid them, though the day be bright, and the might of the seventh will soon make things right. Nicholas looked up. Clever rhyme, but what does this have to do with me? Surely you can see it, Jeremiah said. There are six of us, and you make seven. You are the seventh. I am the seventh? Even if the numbers add up, what makes you believe such things? Nicholas said with scrutiny. Amos and Enos believe such things, Ben added, or they would never have followed you to Sidon. I had no idea they were following me, Nicholas retorted defiantly. He was not about to be blamed for this mess. Who are Amos and Enos, Rachel said. Nicholas paused and let out a sigh of frustration. <sighs> Two men from their tribe. They were captured by some soldiers today in Sidon. The announcer said they are to be eaten by wild beasts tomorrow at the senator's new arena, unless we do something. What can you do, Rachel said. Senator Claudius will be there along with a full squad of soldiers in broad daylight. You cannot hope to overpower them all. To bring liberation, set fire with snow, Jeremiah said, thinking out loud. Once again, a light went off in his head. Nicholas, you showed me this snow, did you not? Chinese snow, Nicholas said, catching the idea. Oh, that could be a lot of fun, especially if Krampus is there. We could dip arrows in it, make snow smoke with it. So much mischief. Nicholas grinned, his eyes sparkling with delight. This time the element of surprise would be his, and he would make sure Krampus felt his sting. <clears throat> and just how do you plan to rescue our brothers? Ben said. Illusion, Nicholas said. We make them believe what we want, then we take advantage of the distraction and rescue our brothers. The Alpharim cheered with glee. Ben was the lone holdout. And exactly how will we do this? Ben asked, killing the celebration. I will ride in and rescue our brothers, Nicholas assured, while you, uh... Then as he looked at Rachel standing in the midst of the little man, an idea popped into his head. Rachel, I know this is not your fight, he said, but we could use your help. After the way they treated my father and the rest of the village, Rachel said, I would be pleased to return the favor. As long as I'm not required to wield weapons or bring harm to another. Agreed, Nicholas said. How would you feel about being a mother? What? Rachel said, offended. Hear me out. I believe I have an idea, Nicholas said. Though it will require a little sacrifice from each of us. Brothers, I need you to shave. The men looked at each other in bewildered horror. No razor has ever touched me, Beard, Ben declared. And no razor ever will. Aye, Caleb said. Not at once, Daniel added. <clears throat> And if it was the only way to get past the Romans and save Amos and Enos, Nicholas said? Then I would find another way, Ben responded with folded arms, his mind made up. Aye, Caleb added, folding his arms. Aye, Daniel added, folding his arms. Is there an another way? Men of Alpharim, Jeremiah said, have you already forgotten the words of the director? All brothers must aid them. If we believe these words, we must do whatsoever is required to liberate our brothers. He took a breath and swallowed. Even if it means shaving. 
Now let us give ear to Nicholas' words, and together we shall make things right. Surprisingly, the men nodded in agreement, even Ben. It amazed Nicholas that they were willing to follow Jeremiah's lead on this, even though he could tell they were very opposed to the thought of shaving their beards. Though he did not understand why the words of the director held such sway with the Elfarim, he was not about to question the shift in attitude. Many thanks, my brothers, Nicholas said, and Rachel. If we all work together, we will make things right as Jeremiah has said. And you may even enjoy it, he said with a glint of mischief in his eyes. Now let us conspire together. The men gathered around Nicholas, ready to do their part, as Nicholas explained his idea and counseled with the group. Then he got to work gathering the white powder crystals from the walls of the cave wherever it appeared. Ben created charcoal, which Nicholas combined with other ingredients, creating a thick, pasty substance in which he dipped his entire quiver of arrows. The remaining substance he rolled into balls with fuses, items he liked to call disruptors. One of his regular trips from, tricks from the compound, they were perfect for disrupting any stuffy magi occasion with a cloud of smoke that had the entire assembly thinking there was a fire. With any luck, his arrows and disruptors would create enough panic at the arena to allow him to swoop in and ride off with Amos and Enos in the chaos. He could hardly wait. Morning arrived all too soon, and everyone filed out of the warren to saddle their respective animals. Rachel was already attending to Lily when Nicholas, dressed in his red tunic and breeches, a quiver of arrows with a bow hanging from his belt on one side, his sword on the other. You know, if you wear red, the Romans will see you coming, Rachel said. By the time they see me, it'll be too late, Nicholas said, and they will rue the day they took our friends. Maybe so, Rachel said. One by one, the Alfarim exited the war and clean-shaven with children's robes on, carrying their deer saddles. Ben was the last one out, and Rachel had to suppress a laugh at his new look. Not a word, Ben said sternly. Ben, is that any way to talk to your mother? Nicholas joked. Ben was not joking. How would you like me to stuff my staff up your... Come now, boys, be good, Rachel said in a motherly tone, looking back and forth to Ben and Nicholas. I c c can't bring c Cupid, Daniel added. Ben scowled and huffed away with his deer saddle. Despite the joke, Nicholas did feel for Ben. It had taken Nicholas forever to grow what little beard he had, and anyone who grew a beard in the Magi compound was treated with a newfound respect and honor. And though he was regularly dismissed by other members of the order, once he started growing a beard, he actually found a few nods of encouragement. It was the only encouragement he ever got from the Magi. Still, the Alpharim had to shave if Nicholas' plan was to work, and they did look somewhat like childlike as they rode their deer through the forest. Though riderless, Dunder and Blixum trailed after the rest of the deer, and before long the group reached the edge of the forest. There the men dismounted and left their deer with Daniel. Nicholas tried to convince them that it would be safe to ride the deer into town, but Jeremiah resisted, saying the deer were a sacred trust and that they could not risk their capture. Though he wished they would change their minds, the Elfarim would not budge on the issue. So the rest of the men crowded onto Apollo and Lily, and off they went. As they got closer, everyone dismounted near the city wall, just out of sight of the arena. Now listen for the trumps, Nicholas explained. Rachel says the first will announce their leader, Senator Claudius. The second trump announces the parade of the warriors, and the final one announces the beginning of the match. When the first trump sounds, each man will move into his assigned position. When the second trump sounds, he continued, picking up one of the disruptor balls, we shall light these disruptors and roll them under the seats. 
The smoke from these things should start a wonderful panic. Then I will ride in with my arrows, grab our brothers, and turn this celebration into something the Romans will never forget. Any questions? <clears throat> uh, what is the backup plan, Ben said. Backup plan, Nicholas said. In case you fail, Ben said. Ben, Caleb said, why would you even suggest such a thing? What, Ben said, I think we should be prepared. The plan will work as long as we believe in each other, Jeremiah said. You must snuff out any doubt in your mind or your brothers are doomed. Can you not see this? Ben looked at the other men. They were visibly irritated. Ben backpedaled a bit. <clears throat> Forgive me, brothers, Ben said sincerely. Let us be one. The Elfarim all smiled at Ben, instantly accepting and forgiving as they joined hands in a circle. Will you join us, Jeremiah said, motioning for them to come. Nicholas and Rachel joined the circle, putting their hands on top of the others. Jeremiah looked at the circle. May the powers of heaven attend our actions and bring us back safely once more. May it be so, the men said to each other. May it be so, Nicholas said, adding his participation. May it be so, Rachel said. Now children, Rachel said as she extended her hands on both sides, let us hold hands and no talking to strangers. Jeremiah and Caleb took Rachel's hands. Jeremiah looked to Ben, extending his hand. Rolling his eyes, Ben reluctantly took his hand and joined the group. As they walked away, Rachel turned back to Nicholas. See you soon, Papa. Nicholas grinned at the sight of the little man holding hands with Rachel. He was grateful that Jeremiah intervened and put a stop to Ben's naysaying. Though Nicholas himself believed in very little outside of his own abilities, he knew if the Alpharim doubted him, it would make the rescue even more dangerous than it already was. <clears throat> he tried to downplay it, but he was nervous about the wild beasts. Caged beasts could be unpredictable, though he hoped to rescue the men before the animals were released or had a chance to harm the little men. For now, he had to have faith that everyone would do their job. Excitement was in the air around the arena. The area was packed with villagers meandering about as vendors shouted and waved samples of their wares in the bright sunlight, eager to capture the people's attention. The smell of smoke, roasted meats, and fresh-baked platters of flatbreads filled the air, and there was even a puppet show for the kids. At the center of it all stood the arena itself, where a stream of people wandered up the entrance ramps, and soldiers stood guard, scrutinizing each attendee as they passed through the decorative, whitewashed wooden arches into the venue. Wasting no time, Rachel wove through the crowds with the little men in tow as they made their way to the nearest entrance. Walking up the entrance ramp, she turned to survey her surroundings and spotted Jude hawking goat skins of wine. Their eyes met briefly, but Rachel turned her head the other way and ducked to avoid being seen, running right into a soldier at the entrance. Wait your turn, the soldier yelled. Rachel popped up, embarrassed at bumping into the man. Then, seeing Rachel's beauty, the soldier softened. Actually... I think it is your turn. The soldier smiled and looked down at the little children. Great gods, these kids get uglier every day, the soldier said. Must be daddy's fault, because you are a Venus, the guard said, pouring on the charm. Uh, many thanks. Uh, may we go in now? Rachel said, smiling and trying to hide her disgust. Certainly. You may sit anywhere you like, at the top of the arena. Rachel smiled nervously as the guard let her pass with the little men in tow. Ben turned and stuck out his tongue at the soldier. The soldier gave him a sour look, but Ben hurried into the arena before the man could follow. Inside, the bench seats were half full, 
and the first horn fanfare announced the arrival of Senator Claudius. The senator and his entourage, including Krampus, emerged from a private entrance next to the senator's box and were quickly seated. Senator Claudius waved to the crowd, and the crowd responded to it in a half-hearted cheer. Whew, the mob certainly has no love for that man, Rachel said. Now, be good boys. Mommy will be right back. She smiled at the man, and the group spread out through the arena seats. As she exited the arena, the soldier at the doorway blocked the path with a lewd smile. Back already, the soldier said as he licked his lips. Why, you look even tastier than our last meeting. How lovely, Rachel said politely she could. But my children are hungry. Oh, look, Rachel said pointing. Food merchants. The soldier looked and Rachel slipped around him and into the crowd. She breathed a sigh of relief and pushed through the masses, trying to get back to Nicholas as quickly as possible. Where have you been, Rachel? Jude's voice stopped her in her tracks. She paused, less than thrilled at the delay. Not wanting to arouse suspicion, she turned on the charm as she spun around to face him. Jude, Rachel said, thank goodness you are here. That soldier at the entrance keeps bothering me. Would you talk to him for me? She waved at the soldier who waved back. Jude looked a bit worried. I will see what I can do, Jude said. But you need to tell me where you were last evening. Your father stayed up all night waiting for you. Is he all right? He's sleeping now, though he's supposed to be here helping me. You could have left some, a note or something. There was no time. A horn fanfare sounded from inside the arena, reminding Rachel of the time. I, I should go, Rachel said anxiously. I tell my father I will be home by nightfall. Will you? Jude said. I promise, Rachel said, nodding her head in agreement as she walked away. Rachel, Jude called out. Rachel stopped and turned back to face him. I missed you. I thought you should know. Rachel put on a courteous smile and waved to Jude, then darted away, intent on getting back to Nicholas as fast as she could. As usual, she could tell Jude was more worried about himself than anyone else. Some things never changed. Finally, she got past the crowds and practically ran to Nicholas, who waited by the city wall with the horses. He sat atop Apollo with an anxious look on his face. What happened, Nicholas said. The second trump has already sounded. I will tell you later, Rachel said. You must go. Rachel motioned for Nicholas to lean down, got up on her tiptoes, and kissed him on his cheek. Come back to me. Absolutely, Nicholas said with stars in his eyes as he urged Apollo into a full gallop. On to glory, boy! As Rachel watched him ride away, she hoped more than anything that Nicholas was as good with a bow and a sword as he claimed to be. She was growing attached to him, and the thought of anything happening to him was something she did not want to think about. And that is the end of part one of Nicholas the Bringer, Chapter 6. So glad that you could be here with us, and I hope you'll join us again next time. But until then, be strong, be kind, and share the hope.